Greetings. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Hola. Aloha. Ni hao. Namaste. Konnichiwa. Bonjour. Bonjourno. Soadi karab. Guten tag. Ciao. Weevee. Rakat. Bang. Half a day. Jai Janendra. Privyet. Salam. Shalom. Peace. Now. Go vegan. Peace how. Go vegan. From the animal agriculture climate changed, drought stricken, fire ravaged, GMO ridden, surveillance state of California, all fracked up under chemtrail skies, overlooking beautiful fluoridated waterways where animal body parts and their secretions are still mistaken for food. Yes, even here in California. Uh, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Since 2001, the uncompromising voice for animals, human health, and the environment. Yes, we start. I, I can't believe it. We started at the end of January 2001, and it's now the end of January 2020. So, um, this show has really aged me. By 19 years, I was just a kid. What happened to me? So, unbelievable, really, isn't it? Doing this program 19 years, and uh, huh, it's pretty, pretty amazing, I think. Uh, maybe we're one of the longest-running shows in, in uh, show business itself, certainly vegan show business. And, of course, there's no business like vegan show business. And why would there be... Uh, yeah, with uh, the very first vegan talk show ever, um, and uh, we now, you know, after 19 years, we, you know, have to have our scheming marketing ploys, I think, that we are just going to start taking credit for the vegan revolution now sweeping the planet. Yes, we now celebrating our 19th anniversary the one, the only talk show consistently reminding you that going vegan is the only way to save the world from climate change and deforestation, resource depletion, water shortage, desertification, pollution, acidification, eutrophication, habitat destruction, and mass extinction. Yes, going vegan does all that and more. As if that weren't enough, huh? Um, what more do you need? Well, uh, you want peace in the world? You want peace in the world? Well, it was Tolstoy who said that uh, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. And you may um, have noticed that wars are fought over uh, resources like land, water, food, and uh, oil, of course. And uh, as uh, those uh, are affected and get more scarce uh, because of climate change, then um, there's an increased refugee situation that happens. So anyway, so um, so there you have you have uh, we, we, we save the planet uh, from every environmental disaster. Uh, we have peace in the world. And imagine, there's even more what vegan can do for your health, what going vegan does for your health. Health, I suggest you listen to our episode previous to this one, episode 
633 for a most informative interview with John Tanner, Ph.D., um, who himself survived cardiac arrest and then became a researcher who really looked into what was happening. So, And that's at GoVeganRadio.com. So that's on episode 633. Hard to believe that if you go to GoVeganRadio.com, there are over 600 episodes there. Again, I started doing them when I was just a child, and uh, and actually there were there were many episodes uh, previous to the 633 that made it to the website. Those uh, in the uh, the old days of terrestrial radio um, and uh, CDs and mini discs that can wind up in the garage somewhere and then disappear and become become the missing I don't know however many hundreds of shows. Uh, that we did, but they will be discovered by space aliens someday who will listen and think like, wow, those those herbivory humans were consuming meat, dairy, fish, and eggs? No wonder they're not here anymore. No wonder there was that mass extinction. So anyway, so if we didn't start Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden uh, back right around this time in 2001, on KRLA in Los Angeles, and then quickly adding KYCY in San Francisco, and then going on to stations in San Francisco, the, the Quake and Green 960 and others. Um, and then we were on the Air America Radio Network, radio stations all across the country, and the GCN Network. So we've been, we've been everywhere. Huh? So... Um, if we didn't start this show back in 2001, would we now um, have the booming vegan food industry that we do? Yeah. Um, good question, right? And we are taking credit for it. That's our new marketing fundraising ploy. Uh, if you appreciate where veganism has come right to now, here in uh, 2020, and you know, we've gone from basically 0% vegan uh, in the time that this show has been broadcasting and podcasting and whatever else it does. Um, and now, uh, a couple of years ago, it was estimated that up to 6% of the U.S. population is vegan. So that's a couple of years ago. Maybe we add on another percent or two or three. And we are here by the millions and millions and millions, all because a little radio show started back in 2001, and you can donate to help that show continue and help create more of a massive vegan population around the world because we are dedicated to that. And look what's happened. Look, we are, we are taking credit for this boom in the vegan food industry, okay? So there's a, a Nielsen retail sales uh, study research that says uh, vegan milk alternatives, you know, the vegan milk, which are the alternatives to scary dairy, are now up to $1.5 billion in sales every year and up 9.3% of total uh, up to, uh, it, 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 and now um, the vegan milk accounts for 9.3% of the total milk category. So apparently people are not... Uh, you know, they're realizing, perhaps from listening to this show, that uh, they are not baby cows, and uh, dairy is uh, 
carcinogenic, and dairy always starts with the rape of a cow. Um, and oh, the dairy industry calls calls it a rape rack upon which that uh, dirty deed takes place. So there, there you have that. So dairy, cow's milk always starts with rape, and then a pregnancy, then kidnapping of the baby when he's born. And oh, if you've ever heard mother and baby cry for each other, uh, you'd never have a, another drop of cow's milk. And the baby is taken away um, to become veal or fattened up to become beef. And uh, the same cycle follows for mama cow year after year, rape, pregnancy, kidnapping. And then when she can't produce um, the babies anymore, um, she becomes a hamburger herself. So anyway, so vegan meat, the, uh, the uh, alternatives to... Uh, flesh um, are up to 555 million uh, uh, yeah 555 million dollars worth of sales annually yeah so over half a billion dollars uh, in the vegan meat um, industry uh, with room to grow because that only accounts for two percent of uh, the total meat market where we see dairy over nine percent of the uh, you know, uh, vegan dairy, 9% of the total dairy market, um, or actually vegan milk, 9%, over 9% of the total dairy market, because there are other vegan dairy products that are, account for even greater percentages. So um, am, am I talking uh, advanced math here? Is that what it is? I don't know. I did go to Stuyvesant High School in New York City, math and science high school, that allows me to uh, bring up such high numbers as $555 million annually, half, over half a billion. Um, and yes, so only 2% of the to uh, total meat market is the vegan meat. And um, so apparently, I don't know, people need to listen a little more closely to this show, apparently, because then they would know that they are herbivores and not carnivores. Uh, big mistake that those meat, dairy, fish, and eating people, meat, dairy, fish, and uh, egg-eating people make. Um, back to the Nielsen uh, research here. Uh, vegan, mail, vegan meals sales. Vegan meal sales are up 18.3% in one year to... 169 million dollars. Um, other vegan dairy, as I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, like um, cheese and yogurt and ice cream, etc., up 19.8 percent in one year. Now up to 727 million dollars in annual sales, and the vegan egg and mayo substitutes are up 12.6% in one year to $37 million in revenues. And tofu and tempeh sales grew 2.6% to $99 million per year. Um, while sales of non-vegan foods averaged a 0.2% decline over the past year, or over that year, and sales of uh, vegan foods in general rose 8.1% in one year, now to a total 
of about $3.1 billion, all of which goes to show that I'm in the wrong business. What, what did I do? What, what, what's wrong with me? Huh? Here I am asking people to go vegan uh, for 19 years now um, on, on radio, on radio networks, on podcasts, in person, at events. For 19 years, here I am asking people to go vegan uh, and, and begging on behalf of the animals that people go vegan, showing uh, what going vegan can do, like save your life, like save the planet from climate change. And, uh, you know, uh, by the way, throw another country on the barbie. If you haven't noticed, Australia is ablaze with climate change, with wildfires uh, in this. It's drought-ravaged, uh, hottest, uh, driest uh, time ever, 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 ever. Um, that's an indication of climate change. When the climate does something that it had never done previously, that's like climate change, like record-setting temperatures, driest ever. So, um, also, uh, coming up on today's show, though, I just want you to know that we have John Grant of WIRES, which is Wildlife uh, Information Rescue um, and Education Services, which is the lead group in Australia out there rescuing animals, and over a billion animals have been affected. Um, so anyway, so here I am, you know, on, on behalf of the animals, year after year, uh, revealing that animal agriculture is the main cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions, according to World Bank climate specialists. Dr. Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang. Um, here I am revealing that going vegan is the only solution for climate change when really what I could have been doing was developing a vegan milk or a vegan burger and living off the fat of the land. You know, been set for life getting my share of the $3.1 billion. Ah, did I make the wrong decision in the, in this business, huh? Ah, so, yeah, in, instead of being, you know, a, a vegan burger mogul, you know, instead of that, where am I? Where am I? Here I am, running running Go Vegan Radio, a small, struggling, grassroots 501c, 501c3 nonprofit. Yeah, well, well, all the environmental groups are basking in donations... Uh, many of them <laughs> from the meat industry, of course. Uh, irony, hypocrisy. Um, so, uh, you know, all the environmental groups are just basking in donations like 350.org, um, Greenpeace, Sierra Club, Oceana. Well, they all support meat and fish consumption. What's wrong with this picture? Ah, what's wrong with this picture? So, so they get all the money. And then, of course, uh, uh, the millions and millions of dollars that go to, um, I don't know, the, it's like, we're turning around and seeing everything so differently. Upside, yeah, up is down, right is left. It's really 
hard to say. I mean, you know, we see fake news, we see a fake environmental movement, a fake animal rights movement, you know, all those millions and millions of dollars going to the Humane Society of the United States, for example, which is a rancher advocacy group. And then I, I must say, I get really upset with, uh, with, uh, with a group like PETA, whom I used to love so, so much. Um, but when I see that uh, PETA just can't praise Kills Jr. enough, I mean, Carl's Jr. enough, um, I, I, I don't know. So um, let me see here. On the PETA website, there was something I wanted to discuss with you. Um, oh, so it says here, uh, it's uh, Carl's Jr. debuts vegan-friendly breakfast burrito with Beyond Meat. Um, and so it says on this uh, web post, updated December 19th, 2019, not that long ago, says, uh, uh, PETA says, you can now eat vegan all day long at Carl's Jr. locations nationwide. Now, um, the last thing I would want to do as a vegan is be in Carl's Jr. all day long, or actually at, it all, at all, to tell you the truth. Um, but okay, maybe that is just I, that's just I, you know, what have I been doing here for 19 years, whining and complaining, right? So that's, that's maybe just I that I don't really... Uh, you know, want to eat vegan all day long at Carl's Jr. while, while, uh, while 99% of what else is happening there is, uh, hmm. uh, I just don't want to be around it, you know. Anyway, back to what PETA um, posted. Okay, so it says, the chain uh, just became the first fast food restaurant to serve Beyond Meat uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The announcement included a tempting new menu item. Mm, let's let's sell let's sell that food at Carl's Jr. A tempting new menu item, uh, a uh, vegan-friendly breakfast burrito stuffed with savory Beyond Breakfast sausage. Um, and so it says, simply order the Beyond sausage burrito and ask uh, ask for no cheese or egg. I, I, I guess the 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 Beyond the Sausage uh, Burrito Breakfast Burrito uh, just comes uh, normally with egg and cheese, which <laughs> defeats the purpose, right? But remember to ask to leave it off. Peta suggests it says it comes packed with Beyond Sausage hash browns, tomatoes, and fresh salsa. All inside a warm flour tortilla. Ooh, want to go? Just want to go eat it. Kills Junior right now. Um, uh, and then Peter says, "Sounds like the perfect way to kick off your day." O M G! The perfect way to kick off my day is to go to Carl's Junior and remind me of what it represents in terms of mass suffering and killing of animals. Uh, that would pretty much uh, do. Uh, that would spoil my day right there. I, you know, <laughs> what a world. Um, so it says uh, as an added bonus, 
uh, you can an added bonus, you know, because it's all good and positive there. Um, as an added bonus, you can add the Beyond Burger patty or Beyond Breakfast sausage to any menu item at Carl's Jr. Beyond Meat also expanded its partnership with Hardee's, so you can enjoy Beyond Meats, uh, Beyond Meat, coast to coast. Um, and then. Um, under the post it says uh, originally this part originally published on December 31st 2018 Carl's Jr. now serves the delicious Beyond Burger you can substitute this vegan patty in any burger option on the menu including the big hamburger which comes with pickles onion ketchup and mustard on a sesame seed bun uh, is the bun vegan I don't know I haven't read the ingredients I, I'm not sure. Um, it says, this is huge news for animal welfare and uh, diners looking for um, healthier, accessible options on the go. So, animal welfare, good for animal welfare to bring your dollars uh, to Carl's Jr. Uh, let's see, you can also opt you can also opt for the new menu item, the Beyond Famous Star Burger, which comes with lettuce, tomato, pickles, and onion on a sesame seed bun and can be ordered vegan by requesting no cheese or mayo. Um, order any burger wrapped in lettuce for a gluten-free option. And... Uh, then it says in this post from PETA, in 2007, after talks with PETA, CKE Restaurants, the parent company of Kills Junior, Carl's Jr., uh, announced that it would implement a strong animal welfare plan that would significantly improve the lives of some of the pigs and chickens whose flesh and eggs are used in its restaurants. Um, when you're talking about improving, <laughs> improving the lives and then uh, flesh being sold at restaurants, um, it's a little hard to fathom. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so uh, Peter's post continues. And uh, by the way, look at the, the good publicity that you can get just for making an announcement that some of the pigs and chickens will have their lives improved. Uh, of course, not in the eyes and feelings of those pigs and chickens who themselves will suffer 100% miserable lives no matter what they are called, free-range or cage-free or whatever. Remember, free-range, cage-free... All the males are suffocated or ground alive just after birth, and all the females are mutilated and kept in horrible, crowded conditions, whether it's a small cage with a few other birds or a large cage uh, with uh, tens of thousands of other birds. And then they're all killed anyway. So nothing's really improved here, but it looks like Carl's Jr. is getting some good publicity from PETA that 
I don't think uh, is is warranted of a, a slash food restaurant. So anyway, uh, and then now PETA in its post continues. And more recently, we persuaded the company to expand its vegan offerings, including specifically urging it to add a vegan burger. Now it is sparing cows by offering a tasty meat-free patty. Uh, Carl's Jr. joins the growing list of restaurants, etc., etc., etc. So, um, 99% of what is sold at Carl's Jr. and all the other slash food restaurants, not really sparing cows or, or pigs or chickens. And yet, look at this. You know, it's like Carl's Jr. has become the the hero of the animal rights movement. It's sparing cows. Why, thank you, Carl's. Thank you, Carl's. Um, and let's see. So, and then, uh, finishing up with what was in this PETA post, it says, so, you know, with the now adding the burger to the menu, it says, this new offering has also moved Carl's Jr. from an F to an A on our ranking of burger chains and we hope they continue to add more vegan options so there you have it carl's jr the massive killer of of animals with an a from PETA. now i know <laughs> what's happened to the world huh? what, what's what's happened but again very upsetting to see the Bell and Evans website, the Bell and Evans Chicken Killers, on its website with an endorsement from Ingrid Newkirk of PETA. Is, is, has she been replaced with a clone? What happened to Ingrid? She, she, was, she was actually the first guest on this radio show 19 years ago, right about now, the end of January 2001. Ingrid Newkirk was the first guest. Howard Lyman was the second guest. And... Here, Peter, could, could I have asked her at that time, uh, Ingrid, uh, do you foresee, what, what what kind of grade would you give Carl's Jr. Um, <laughs> in the future? An A, an A. Carl's Jr. gets an A. Um, and I know that a, a good part of the $3.1 billion in vegan food sales, you know, has got to be the introduction of beyond meat and impossible meat and imposter meat and you know their various burgers and sausages and chicken alternatives at uh, many of the slash food restaurants and chains but to me in a sense it's like uh, it's like reverse engineering the process of veganizing foods that have uh, traditionally been uh, based in animal flesh and animal secretions, you know, all these slash food restaurants are basically taking vegan foods and they're making them not vegan or non-vegan by cooking them on the same grill or in the same fryer with uh, the cows and pigs and, and chicken bodies. So, um, you know, definitely... Definitely mixing the uh, the meat and 
and the fats on, onto your vegan food, uh, the animal byproducts. Uh, you know, I see some people, in their opinions of this, I see some people are saying, you know, it also gets, you know, oh, the juices from from meat on, on the vegan foods, which I don't understand at all because, uh, I don't know, animals aren't made of juice. They're not made of juice. What what could that fluid be? I'm, I'm sure it's not juice. I don't know. Have you put a chicken into your juicer? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, what they're calling juice here. Juice from animals? Uh, it's got to be more disgusting than juice. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm not buying it. I'm not trying it. You know, um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I see that some vegans in their blogs and YouTube videos are willing, uh, willing to do it, and, uh, you know, then, uh, you know, you have to be reminded, uh, you know, don't forget, don't, don't order it without, you know, gotta say no mayo, no cheese, no eggs, you know, so, but don't, don't they defeat the purpose if they just normally come, come with mayo and cheese and eggs? Doesn't that defeat the purpose of, it being a, a vegan meat as part of the meal anyway. Um, and again, I don't know if the buns are vegan either. So, I don't know. It's amazing. You know, all this time we've been we've been pushing for food manufacturers to, to create the vegan alternatives, you know. And now we are cheering the meat industry and its slash food restaurants when they take vegan food and, and they make it non-vegan um you know and vegan food cooked right in the same place among the animals and their secretions i don't know to me it's not not vegan food it's just not um and uh let's see here and and also it, it is really upsetting to me that uh, how easy it is for the uh, the biggest sellers of, of animal suffering and death um, to quickly become you know the 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 heartthrobs the darlings of, of vegans you know when they introduce you know a vegan burger or a vegan line Ben and Jerry's has some vegan flavors. So we, we totally then forget about the cows, the pigs, and the chickens, and, uh, you know, really, have, have any of them done this for, for the animals, really, or are we just, are we vegans just a new, another new revenue stream for Ben and Jerry's and all of these slash food restaurants uh, who are, uh, you know, coming to cash in on what's become a really big deal because of this radio show coming on air back in 2001 and being just what sparked what what you know ignited the vegan revolution around the world here we are uh, ready to take credit for it uh, you know and give credit where credit is due please make a tax deductible donation um, at uh, goveganradio.com um, you know, there's still a lot more to do, um, a lot more to do. And we really, I mean, we, we really want to create 
a climate crisis live aid concert of the magnitude of live aid 35 years ago, the magnitude of Woodstock 50 years ago, which I can't believe, you know, I'm old enough to say that I attended Woodstock 50 years ago. Uh, good thing I became vegan 36 years ago, or I don't think I'd be alive to say that I attended Woodstock uh, 50 years ago, considering my father died at age 48 of a heart attack. My mother died at 56. Um, I've outlived them. Um, I can't believe how old I am. As I said, this, this show has aged me by 19 years. Um, and uh, again, I don't really see why um, we should give our support to these... Uh, this isn't going to help me get advertising from Impossible Burger or Impossible, huh? Or uh, uh, Beyond or uh, <laughs> saying, I'm not buying it, I'm, I'm not trying it. But, you know, there are about 1,500 exclusively vegan restaurants in the U.S. Uh, there are uh, food companies that are exclusively vegan. So um, please buy from them if there are vegan restaurants near you. There are 1,500 vegan restaurants. Hopefully some are near you. Please support them uh, before you go to, you know, a uh, McMurder, I mean, uh, McDevils, I, I mean, well, you know, I, I, I mean, uh, Murder King, I mean, Booger King, I mean, I mean, what do I mean? I mean, Kills Jr., I mean, I mean, ki Kill Fried Chicken, I mean, KFC, I mean, uh, what do I mean? What do I mean? Um, let's see here. Uh, oh yeah, and and of course, uh, maybe 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 I can make amends. Maybe I can become friends again with uh, Beyond Meat and Impossible and Imposter, whatever. But I mean, if if you want their products, why not buy them at the grocery store, which of course isn't vegan either. That's the horror show of my life, going into the grocery store. But I mean, eliminate el eliminate the middle slash food restaurant, I guess, right? Um, and yeah, buy those products from uh, from grocery stores, retail outlets, and by all means patronize your vegan restaurants, 100% vegan restaurants. These are the people who have really put it on the line. You know, Loving Hut. Go to Loving Hut. Go to Loving Hut before you go to, to Carl's Jr. or, you know, any of these other. Um, so, uh, let's see. There's a lawsuit. A lawsuit. Philip Williams of Atlanta is suing Burger King. It's a class action lawsuit. I'm looking at the complaint right now. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? Class action complaint and demand for jury trial. This is, as I said, Philip Williams versus Burger King. And it says, Plaintiff Philip Williams both individually and on behalf of similarly uh, situated individuals, uh, 
brings this complaint against Burger King Corporation, defendant, to put a stop to defendant's, uh, to defendant's misleading practice of selling and marketing its impossible Whopper Burger as a meat-free food option. Despite Burger King's representations that the Impossible Whopper uses the trademarked Impossible Meat that is well known as a meat-free and vegan meat alternative, Burger King cooks these vegan patties on the same grills as its traditional meat products, thus covering the outside of the Impossible Whopper's meat-free patties with meat byproduct. Uh, plaintiff Philip Williams brings this action to obtain redress for all persons injured by defendant Burger King's uh, deceptive and unlawful conduct. Plaintiff alleges as follows, based upon personal knowledge as to uh, his own acts and experiences and as to all other uh, matters upon information and belief, including investigation conducted by his attorneys. Why didn't PETA tell us when it was recommending all these meat alternatives that they're covered with animal byproducts? Okay, so back to the complaint of Philip Williams versus Burger King. Number one, plaintiff brings this class action lawsuit against defendant for violations of Florida's department, uh, I'm sorry, Florida's Deceptive and Unfair Trade Practices Act, Section 501.201, etc. Florida statutes, the um, the act and a common law based on Burger King's defendants' false and misleading business uh, practices with respect to the marketing and sale of its Impossible Whopper at Burger King uh, restaurants and franchises around America. Number two. Impossible Meat is a trademark product that is owned independently from Burger King that is widely known across the country as a vegan meat substitute. Due to its uh, impressive meat-like appearance, texture, and taste, Impossible Meat is one of the most popular uh, vegan meat alternatives in the country. Three, plaintiff uh, practices a strict vegan diet, meaning that he does not eat uh, or drink anything uh, that uh, uses animal byproducts. Four, impossible meats contain no animal products or animal byproducts. Uh, Impossible meats are also certified halal and kosher. Five, on August 8th, 2019, defendant began to offer a version of its most popular 
and uh, widely advertised Whopper burger with the impossible meat called the Impossible Whopper. Since then, Defendant has marketed and sold burgers using impossible synthetic uh, meat uh, patties under the descriptive product name Impossible Whopper, claiming in advertising uh, that the Impossible Whopper is 0% beef and 100% Whopper. Number six, however, unbeknownst to plaintiff and consumers, the Impossible Whopper is cooked on the same grill as its traditional meat-based products, creating a, uh, let's see, creating a meat-free patty that is, uh, in fact, covered in meat byproducts. Um, so anyway, that uh, that's a good summation up to this point. Um, and then um, you had uh, Burger King also saying, you know, and then then you know others are saying that uh, oh the, these products really they're not really necessarily for vegans. They're more for uh, you know flexitarians who. Uh, you know who don't mind non-vegan vegan food, right? So more 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 for the flexitarians. So that's uh, that's what you got there. And what do we have here today? Um, let's see. Coming up on today's show, as I mentioned, we have John Grant, who is in Australia, and he will bring us up to date on the. Uh, calamity there, fires ha like that have never happened before in the history of uh, Australia as habitat is being destroyed. Um, you know, Australia seems to be right on the forefront of uh, right on the forefront of climate change. The proof that climate change is happening. We will talk to uh, John Grant coming up on today's show. And uh, also, ah, happy to talk to Vanessa Marceau, who finally, just right now, a few days ago, celebrated the grand opening of the Allura Organic Wellness Center in Altadena, California. And uh, go patronize her instead of going to a slash food restaurant, okay? And uh, we do need your help uh, to keep on going and keep on growing the vegan message. Um, and it would be greatly appreciated if you were to make a tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com. Thank you so very much.
Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and uh, you can support our, so- our uh, program with a tax-deductible donation. You can click Donate at GoVeganRadio.com. Um, our uh, spokesperson from our next organization um, has received a lot of donations recently. Um, you, you may not know it, uh, you know, if you've been... Uh, you know, diverted, your attention's been, you know, you've been looking at NFL football or the holidays have come or there's impeachment. And you may not know that Australia is, is burning to a crisp. It's um, been on fire since September. And apparently over a billion animals have been killed. And uh, this is also fanning the flames of uh, discussions related to climate change. And so... Today, to, uh, to see what's happening with the animals and what's going on with their rescue, what we can do to help, uh, we're going to talk to John Grant, who is spokesperson for WIRES, which is Wildlife Information Rescue and Education Services in Australia, and uh, the website is wires.org.au. Welcome, John. How are you today? Good night, Bob. Good to talk to you. It's a pleasure having you here with me. I I kept hesitating to get in touch with you because I have a feeling uh, my heart is going to be broken here today. But um, you know, we we need to know what's going on and what we can do in the in the face of uh, tragedy here. So, well, tell us or tell us about the fires, though. Uh, actually, I mean, maybe we didn't even know that you know Australia was is, is burning uh, as as it is here. What uh, What's going on with the fires, and we'll go into well, well, wildlife. Well, yeah, well, look, Australia's always been prone to bushfires. Um, I, all of us at some point have been affected by bushfires in our life because it happens every summer generally in Australia, somewhere in Australia, some years worse than ever. I think the difference here, Bob, is this is unprecedented. We have never seen something of this scale, which started, as you said uh, in your preamble there, with um, in September last year in New South Wales, um, which is one of the states of Australia, and it's just made its way down continually south and on its way it's burnt out. At this point, it's over 5 um, billion hectares of... Um, not 5 billion, sorry, 5 million hectares of uh, of um, bushland as it's come down, taken houses, taken properties, you know, but most of all taken wildlife. Um, and we've we've never seen anything like it. As Australians, we're shocked and we're used to bushfires. Well, I believe that it's your uh, driest, hottest uh, time now, isn't it? Um, you're, you're, you're... That's correct. And, and unfortunately, these fires have come on the back of one of the worst droughts we've had in decades. So it was almost like a perfect storm for this to happen because everything was so dry. We even had rainforest areas which have never burnt before burning in these fires. I mean, it's the first time I've heard of the term megafires where a number of the fires joined up. Um, and in fact, the Gosford's Mountain Fire, uh, that entire area was seven times the size of Singapore wow. in just in one fire. So that gives you a, a bit of an idea of the scale of it. For those of us who may not be able to picture uh, hectares, uh, hectares, uh, you say over five million. What can you uh, 
Can you break that out for, for those of us who deal with uh, miles or other comparisons? Or Oh, goodness me. What no? is a hectare to a mile? I'm afraid I can't do it off the top of my okay, head. Okay, we'll, we'll, no, we'll, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we'll, we'll have to Google it. Yeah. We'll have to Google it. So, yeah. So, um, so uh, tell us about oh, – so, so you've been saying that there's a long drought that's been going on and – Yes, there was a drought beforehand, so there was a lot of the um, a lot of the bush was dried out anyway. Um, and as far as our native animals were concerned, they were already under pressure um, because you know a lot of them were um, going through food shortage, water shortage, habitat shortage because the drought had done so much damage. For instance, even our, before the fire, there, there, even before the fire started, this has been going on for pro- probably two years. Mm. So, um, yeah. And um, do we know how the fires started? I'm, I'm seeing reports of various uh, sources of uh, ignition. Uh, and- um, look, the fires start in a number of ways here. They often start during um, storms. So we get lightning strikes is one of the most common ways. Um, and, you know, we can get thousands of lightning strikes in an hour. Well, if that's happening in a bushland area, uh, they often tend to strike the large trees, and once they get a light and there's a bit of wind, then it just goes on from there. So uh, there's a drought, it's dry, there are lightning strikes. I've heard mm-hmm. arson mentioned mm-hmm. also too. I don't know if that... Uh... Yes, there's always there's always an element of arson there, but we don't believe that any of the major fires um, were caused by arson. There's also occasionally there can be, um, you know, it's a vast area we're talking and we can have electrical wires can fall down in storms and they can spark a fire as well. Um, you know, there's a few different ways. The arson is generally tends to be um, closer to the uh, city and it'll be in smaller areas and it can usually be detected much faster and those fires put out much faster. Um, a lot of it, unfortunately, can still be people throwing lit cigarette butts out of the car as they're driving along. Sure. I mean, I think we've had some, you know, here in California, we've had some major fires, too, and it's been a, a hunter, you know, flicking his bick or a campfire or, you know, some flare or whatever it might be. But uh, the way it sounds... Yeah, you've had some shocking. We've seen that they've been they've been shown a lot in Australia as well, you know. Right, right, right. But, I, uh, but Our but, hearts went out to you when that was happening there. Terrible. But, but actually, I think that I read somewhere that your fires are like eight times the size of the largest California fires that we had. So maybe that's what five million hectares looks like, uh, five times, uh, eight times the area of the uh, California fires. And then you've also had mm. uh, record setting temperatures, too. I see in Sydney and your capital city, you've been uh, reaching uh, high, highest temperatures ever. Yes, yeah, I believe in um, Parramatta, which is not too far from uh, the city itself, uh, from the CBD. I think they reached 48 degrees um, a couple of weeks ago, which was, I think that broke all the records. That was pretty extraordinary. But, uh, you know, one of the other side effects that's been happening from this is the smoke everywhere. We've never had so much smoke. You've probably seen the images of Sydney covered in smoke, and it's just gone on for weeks um, and in townships uh, all along the eastern seaboard because the um, the smoke drifts in towards the sea and, and everyone gets covered for days. So I think that may have kept the temperatures down a little bit as well in part. Mm. And then that's impacting everyone, uh, people and other animals too, the smoke. The smoke is impacting people mainly, but I'm sure it must be impacting animals as well. Mm. We're getting was... koalas. Koalas get very badly affected by smoke inhalation. Mm. I, uh, in Northern California, have... Uh 
been breathing some of the smoke from the fires and uh it's, mm-hmm. it's horrible it's, 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 yeah it's, it's yeah really we've got a lot of medical warnings going out here particularly for the elderly um and i presume the same thing's happening mm-hmm. with you so um you know there are people who um say that climate change is happening climate change you know they they don't see it happening um what do you like is the general feeling in australia that you know you're the forefront of climate change that look we are we are the proof or uh... look bob i think i think what has happened in these fires has been a bit of a game changer in terms of how people uh, view things there's been you know a bit of scepticism, but there's a, a lot of people, particularly young people in Australia, who've believed in climate change for a long time. Um, anecdotally, where we work on the ground with animals, we've just seen you know, more and more habitat losing feed, animals starving, um, and this is all because of the heat. I think we've had one of the hottest summers ever on record, if not uh, on record. Um, we had a situation uh, starting up in northern New South Wales where um, you may or may not know of our flying foxes, which are very large fruit bats, and um, they rely on the nectar. They also pollinate all our forests, so they're very important um, uh, to the environment, and particularly in a situation like this after everything's been burnt out. And they started moving south much earlier last year because it turned out because of the drought and the heat that the eucalyptus trees, which is the, the blossom from them, which is what they live on, These trees either weren't blossoming or if they were, there was hardly any nectar. So they're all having to move south and further south and further south. Um, And that was a big indicator to us um, of how bad things actually were. I mean, you just have to watch what the wildlife do and you get a pretty good indication that things aren't what they should be. Mm. And uh, I see that um, you did mention when we were corresponding that there's a um, Professor Dickman at the University of Sydney um, mm-hmm. and uh, he said that Australia is having is, is the highest rate of extinction of mammals uh, in the world right now. Australia has the highest rate of extinction of mammals. So yes. uh, that does uh, talk in terms of uh, habitat destruction. Lo- you know. Yeah, it's, it's from all of that. Part of it is to do with the heat. Some of the animals aren't equipped to deal with the heat. Um, there's pressure on them through land clearing to get smaller and smaller areas of habitat to live in. Um, Some of them are being moved on, and when they're moved on into other habitats, they don't survive. Um, We don't even know yet, Bob, what what the impact of these fires are going to be on on specialised colonies of animals that only live in in very um, distinct places throughout all of that. A lot of those areas we can't even get into yet, so we don't know if anything survived. But when you've got an you know an eighty meter high wall of flame coming at you, there's there's not much hope. Right, right, right. And so so we're hearing that uh, over a billion animals have been killed by the fires. Um, killed or fire affected, I think is is actually what they're saying. And by killed or fire affected, they've either been killed or the fire has moved them on from where they are, or they've been burned or they've been injured. So it's it's taking them all into account. And. Australia has an amazing has has or has had amazing uh, biodiversity and mm-hmm. many many species that uh, wouldn't wouldn't live anywhere else but Australia. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. So so who has uh, been affected in terms of 
species like uh, I, I, well tell tell us a bit though about about wires and your um, rescue organization okay so how we work there there's no organization there's certainly no national organization and then there are no government run organizations to actually take in injured wildlife and care for them so there's a number of um, not-for-profit organizations that have started in every state um, to do this job uh, and ours started oh, over 30 years ago 34 years ago now when there was an injured bird in in a park in the middle of the city and um, a concerned um, ecologist had a look at this bird rang the council rang a number of people no one seemed to know what to do with it and so that's how it started and she decided well we need something for wildlife and then so in the past 34 years we've, we're now up to 2,500 volunteers across New South Wales they're all volunteers they're all anim animal lovers obviously they're dedicated to raising wildlife um, and uh, how it happens is we'll get a call in a, we've got a 24-hour um, rescue service and people call in if they see an injured native animal and we send one of our volunteers out to collect it. It goes straight to a vet and a big call out to Australian vets because they assess all of these animals free of charge. And they do an assessment on the animal of whether it can be re rehabilitated um, or if its injuries are too bad, in which case it's humanely euthanized. But, you know, most of them we manage to recover and then the volunteer will care for them in their own home. A lot of these people are semi-rural, so they have larger properties and they have areas where they can raise these animals. And then uh, they are vet-checked regularly uh, until such time as they're ready to go back into their habitat, and they're always returned to the area that they came from. That's going to be slightly more difficult now from, with the fires. But uh, in general, that's, that's how it, it used to work, and they would be released uh, back into the wild, uh, a bit of sweet moment for the volunteer who's poured so much energy into them but also a a, um, a a real sense of achievement that they've managed to do this and more than ever we need these volunteers at the moment because they're helping to re rebuild the populations that have been devastated by these fires mm. and tell us about the the species uh, who were affected and uh, for whom well, you are caring and rescuing yeah, well, look, at it, it's practically every species, to be honest, Bob. So um, everything from kangaroos, koalas, wallabies, bandicoots, sugar gliders, all the different types of sugar gliders, possums, all the different types of possums, every kind of bird life you can imagine, uh, flying foxes, reptiles, um, lace monitors, which you probably know as goannas. Um, it's, it's across across the board. Okay. We're talking to John Grant, he's spokesperson for WIRES, which is the Wildlife Information Rescue and Education Services in Australia. And um, so uh, we do we do have uh, people who listen in Australia, John. And, and so tell mm -hmm. me, um, what uh, what would you uh, – well, is there a, a phone number that people should get or, or a, a donation website uh, or you want to – Oh, look, if people want to, if people would like to donate, they can always go to wires.org.au. Um, they can also see on the website if they live in areas where they've been bushfires. There's a number of, of tips there for how you can help wildlife. We're actually you know, asking the community to help uh, with feeding them because one of the big problems now, of course, is starvation um, that they've come out. So if people are living near those areas where there have been a bushfire, they can leave out 
um, water for them, they can get food for them, they can actually get food through wires because the, all of the native animals have specialised feed. You can't just feed them what you might feed a cat or a dog or a rabbit. Um, it's got to be specialised food for them to eat. So all of that information can be found at wires.org.au. And, and I need to point out here, there's not just the people from Australia, Bob, from all over the world, we have been overwhelmed with the generosity and the concern for our wildlife. Uh, it's been absolutely inspiring. And, and you know, I'd like to pass on uh, our thanks from all the volunteers at WISE um, for this, this incredible concern. Right. Yeah. Well, when I was saying, you know, for people in Australia, is there a number and how can they get in touch with you? I was thinking more in terms of what they could do to help the animals if they're in the area around the animals. But I know that you have been uh, getting donations from all around the world. I see uh, mm. Leonardo DiCaprio here uh, sent a donation. And uh, so, yes, perhaps, <laughs> so, I think I think uh, I believe um, Barack Obama tweeted even to donate to um, Wise. We, we were flabbergasted and Ellen DeGeneres and, and we, we keep seeing, people keep sending us images of of um, uh, of neon signs saying donate to Wise mm. so, during, during here at the moment. Apparently in the foyer of all of his concerts he's got flashing mm -hmm. donate to Wise. So we're, we're completely overwhelmed. Yeah, well, people people really care and people really love animals. Yeah. And, uh, they, yeah. they, they, they guess... want to help when given the opportunity. Um, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Decades ago, I was the program director at a radio station in Seattle at the time of the yes. Alaska oil spill. And so, oh, God. The, yes. so, so the, the, the otters were covered with oil. So they, they were putting out a, a call for towels, you know, like they needed towels. Mm -hmm. And so I used my radio station to collect towels. And we had health clubs and hotels and just everybody just bringing yes. towels for us to, <laughs> to, to send to Alaska. So, so people really want to help. And but, but I, you know, I found it interesting, the tips that you um have given people uh, in the areas where animals are affected. I, I find somewhat interesting, like you say, okay, leave out bowls of water for animals and, and birds escaping the fires. And you say, mm -hmm. use shallow bowls with a few sticks or stones on uh, one side to allow smaller animals to escape should they fall in. I mean, I that's, think that's correct. I, I like <laughs> seeing that. I like you know, that, that's interesting to me. And, you know, it's like, uh, then you're saying, please keep cats indoors and dogs under control uh, so that wildlife can flee safely through backyards and properties. That's and, correct. You know, <laughs> good, you know it might sound odd, good, but that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, I could see the practicality of this. Like, you know, these yeah, are like, yeah. you know, who wants, who wants, you're, you're, you're being a good hearted person and you leave out a yeah. deep bowl and an animal falls in and drowns and like you feel well, you know so um, well i think the i think the, the practical side of that is is when you think it through an animal is normally drinking from a puddle or from a stream so it's going to the edge and it's level and it can lap most of them lap water so that so they lap it with their tongues but if they have to climb up and then stretch their heads down to lap something particularly little possums and animals like that and birds then they're just as likely to fall in and then they can't get out do you see what I mean? It's not like they they can just climb up the edge of an embankment. Um, that that that's what that's about. Yeah. Right. You say keep a cardboard box and towel in the trunk. Mm -hmm. You say boot. I guess trunk of your car uh, mm -hmm. in case you find an injured animal, so you can safely uh, contain uh, him or her without uh, putting yourself in any danger. 
So that's, you know, mm -hmm. good advice. Um, uh, if an animal has been burnt, don't attempt to uh, feed him or her. Just wrap him loosely, him or her, uh, and then a towel or cotton mm -hmm. fabric. Mm -hmm. uh, place in a mm -hmm. ventilated box. Well, the advice with that... the the advice with that one is because it will be immediately going to a vet and it may have to be sedated. So you don't want it to be have food or water until it's sedated. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, let's see. So, okay. So, oh, here I see you have the, the wires numbers at 1-300-094-737 for mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. in Australia. That's yes. Okay. Although um, I, I, am, I am warning people, it, we are inundated with calls you've got to remember um uh, we've been uh, uh for 34 years we've been a, a little struggling um hand-to-mouth organization trying to rescue animals and so this attention has been overwhelming for us so people might have trouble getting through on that number bob that's why i've recommended they might want to go to the website and have a look there in the first instance mm -hmm. okay please do not uh, approach uh, injured snakes flying foxes mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. well, about less than 2% of flying foxes carry a virus that's dangerous to humans. Mm -hmm. But it's not worth the risk if you get bitten or scratched that you would have to go and, and, and be checked uh, that you don't catch that virus. Okay. And you also have, uh, have advice related if you have a swimming pool? Mm-hmm. Uh, We've found joeys in swimming pools before and other animals, and then they, they don't know, of course, to go to the steps and climb out. Um, so they'll swim around, and if they can see something over the edge, like a some canvas or just something they can cling onto over the edge, that they can pull themselves out. But that's only for people living in you know bushfire areas while yeah, animals but, are you playing. Know, this is, yeah. you, you know, it, it's Australia today. You don't know where tomorrow. So this advice is that's uh, what it, you're, you're right there. It's good, good global advice because uh, yeah. climate uh, change is happening globally. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so uh, you've you've gotten these wonderful donations, uh, and I see you're putting them to good use. Tell us what you've been able to do. Um, well, to, at, at the moment, we're still in crisis mode, of course. So we're still rescuing animals every single day, and as the bushfires move south. Um, it can take us up to three weeks before we're allowed onto a fire ground for safety reasons. So we have the emergency vans out at the moment uh, in the south coast area. They've been there all week um, going around darting animals to check if they've got um, babies in their pouches. Those that are badly burnt have to be, you know, we, we won't stand by and let an animal suffer. So some of them are so dehydrated and burnt, there's no hope of recovery for them, unfortunately. Um, but... Uh, out of all of that, I've got to say that um, we feel very positive because every joey counts at the moment and we're having a lot of successes. So most of our energy is going into the rescues at the moment. We're also, a lot of enclosures have been burnt down, so they're being rebuilt as quickly as we can. Um, so the donations are being used for that. Unfortunately, we can't do training presently because our trainers are out on the field as well rescuing, but all of that will be able to kick back in once the immediate crisis is over, um, we're able to get all the food we need. Um, we've got heaps of medication. Um, you know, treating burns is an expensive um, procedure. And whilst the vests do the um, initial consultation for free, all the treatments WISE has to pay for. And um, so the money's flowing into that as well. And, yeah, I think there's some more announcements about about to be 
aid this week um, about where it's generally going. But uh, to be honest, the, the money's not our concern at the moment. The money is getting all these animals saved. So, I mean, so the donations have really helped you to get to the point where you do have food and medical supplies and... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, well, there's no question. I mean, we, we would have had to do it somehow, you know, but borrowed from Peter to play, pay Paul. Somehow we would have had to do it, but this has just made it so much easier. I can't tell you. It's just been fantastic. Okay, great. So, and, and then you say uh, treating burns is, is complicated. Like, what goes into that? Or, or... Well, what what happens there is that the, the burns have to be treated generally. Um, with most of the marsupials, it's on their paws and their feet. Um, with the macropods like the kangaroos and wallabies, it's their hind legs get badly burned. Um, there's a point at which they're so badly burned they can't recover. But a lot of them, particularly joeys who've, who've, who've been orphaned in the process, uh, if they haven't gone through too many embers, they get treated with pain relief. Um, with antibiotics, with ointments on their feet and the, all of their feet. I think there's some images there of a possum I sent you with, with all its feet bandaged and possibly one of a kangaroo as well. So they get bandaged up. Those dressings get changed every second day uh, and it just continues and, and we have to be very careful. that very easily infected uh, because it's not normal for that much exposed skin, you know, on, on any animal. Uh, we get burnt ears, um, little burnt noses, a lot of smoke inhalation, and that's a matter of rehydrating them and just fingers crossed that they they haven't had too much internal damage. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 sort of how it works. And, and there were hydration problems uh, prior to the fires because of the drought also, so uh, dehydration. Well, there were, and exhaustion. Some of the animals we get coming in, they don't have a mark on them, but they're just literally exhaustion, exhaustion and dehydration from not being able to find their regular water source when they're moved out of the habitat they're familiar with. And so, um, and what's the outlook for the fires uh, going out? Like, what's uh, how, well, how long are they one of, to last? Yeah, we don't well, look. We don't know, Bob. We've actually managed to get a, a bit of rain over the last few days. Not enough to quell the big fires. I think there's still 50 fires um, uncontained in New South Wales. Um, we would need a lot more rain for that for those to be put out. But you know, one of the worrying things about all of this is that we're just into our fire season now. So uh, this is not over yet. We've still got another three or four months um, of, of fire season uh, to get through. So fingers crossed, we get through that without anything more like this happening. Um, but yeah, we just pray for rain now and hope for the bush to regenerate. Right, and then. Um, even if the fires were to go out tomorrow, although now you're saying that could be months away, uh, mm -hmm. then the, the, all of the animals are still facing challenges. It's not, not like uh, they just go home and everything's... Oh, no, no, no. There's, there, well, there's all of those that we've managed to rescue from the fringes of these fires, um, you know, their, their habitat's gone. So we need the rain to come so that they'll have to be released into new habitat but at the moment with everything in drought there's not enough feed for them to be released so in and that's another point to your question before about donations so if we have to keep them in care longer then at least we've got you know plenty of money now to be able to ensure that they can be fed uh, um, right up until such time as we find a suitable possible uh, um, property for them to go to the other thing too is that um, they they we, we're always careful not to humanize our animals they can't become pets so they've always got to be kept at a distance so when they go back into the wild they'll be able to survive right okay 
Well, you are doing wonderful work. I, um, you know, in in my years of uh, discussing uh, climate change, and and you said uh, that there are some wonderful uh, climate specialists and ecologists in the area whom mm-hmm. to whom I uh, would like to contact, and um, like uh, Professor Dickman, as you mentioned there just now. Um, so what, what I've concluded from um, major studies uh, and assessment uh, from the top climate specialists at the World Bank and a five-year Oxford University study uh, recently, um, they're basically saying that um, animal agriculture seems to be the number one cause of climate change. And those climate specialists are telling us that really the only solution um, is for us to, to go vegan. Uh, oddly mm-hmm. enough, uh, people mm-hmm. don't. People often don't want to hear that. <laughs> you know, well, it's, re- it, 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 it's getting some traction here in Australia. Is it? Yeah. Oh, great, great, great. Well, I, I, I want to help. Uh, probably those are the people who listen to my show. Probably. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Bob. I hope so. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang did the assessment for yep. the World Bank, and they. They say that animal agriculture is responsible for at least 51% of human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. And they say the only solution is a population shift to vegan, which would take us to pre-industrial carbon levels. And then the study out of Oxford University from Joseph Poor said that the carbon sequestration, we, we would take, what is it, 8.1 billion metric tons of carbon out of the atmosphere if we were to go mm-hmm. vegan. I mean, he's saying that uh, mm-hmm. that transforms the world also. And that um, if the population were to go vegan, uh, that land the size of the U.S., EU, China, and Australia combined would be um, freed for reforestation and species recovery. So mm-hmm. um, that's... Uh, for, for for people listening in to this week's show related to climate change, I can't I can't help but put my uh, two cents in there. And uh, uh, you're saying it is catching on in Australia that people are uh, hearing well, more anecdot- about it. Yeah, yeah. Anec- anecdotally here, Bob, there are reports in the paper of um, you know read it in the news here all the time of people eating less meat for starters. And I think I think something else that's happened which has had a, a huge impact here is the live trade export, which has upset a lot of people with some of the appalling images that have come through about live trade and the way animals are treated uh, in, in that industry. Um, and right. I think, you know, in general, people are beginning to rethink where their food is coming from and how it's being treated and how ethically anything to do with animals is happening. And they're making um, changes to their diet accordingly. Yeah, there is a worldwide vegan movement right now. And uh I mm-hmm. certainly want to encourage that. I mean, you know, every, every year, billions and billions, we talk about, you know, a billion animals uh, affected or, mm-hmm. or killed in the fires in Australia, but mm-hmm. billions and billions of animals are, are eaten every year. And uh, mm-hmm. whether they're as cute as a koala or not, doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. There doesn't make any difference to me. I love all animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you get into this uh, yourself, John, involved with uh, wires there? Um, it actually sort of came out I'd always been interested in the work they did and then um, a friend of mine is who became the um, uh, was involved with it said to me you know why don't you come and see what they're doing they need a bit of help with um, publicity and a bit of media 
you know, because we're, we're a small organization. And uh, so I came along and I just thought, you know, everything that they were doing and all the amazing work done by the volunteers. So I was happy to come on board and and do what I can. You know, I, it, I don't think there's an Australian that isn't interested in our wildlife. Sure. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I've learned I've learned so much. I, I, I thought I knew a lot about our wildlife. I've, I, I just keep learning things every day that I didn't know. It's it's it's, it's fan- fascinating. You know, all of like these animals what? are so like, like unique. What, what, what I'm just have trying you to think. I'm trying I'm trying to think one that came the other day that I didn't know about. Um, uh, now what was it? Was it with it with a, with a kangaroo? Oh, I know what it was. It was about the and I think it's been a bit controversial. It was about the because there's a, a video that's sort of gone viral of somebody on their bike trying to do. Everyone tries to do the right thing. This wasn't that anyone's trying to do the wrong thing. And the the koala is drinking uh, water from the water bottle and has its head up, um, drinking, sort of reaching up to where the guy's sitting on his bike. Obviously, it's come out of the fires, um, and it's holding the water bottle with both paws. Now, unfortunately, whilst that makes a great image. Uh, that's not the way koalas drink, and it's certainly not the way we um, recommend. Or, the, but we never have that problem because ours goes straight to the vet. So the people who've been trained in koala care know all about this already. But I didn't know. And if you think about it, when koalas uh, drink in the wild, they lap from the ground. They'll lap from a puddle or a stream. And if you, they have an automatic reaction where they will. If something's put in front of them, they'll claw onto it because their eyesight isn't good, so they work by a sense of smell. So whilst it looked like it looks like it's grabbing the water saying, give that to me, it, that's actually an involuntary reaction that they do with their paws. But they, they aren't able to regulate the water so that you can actually kill them. They can die from um, what's called aspiration pneumonia because they won't know when to stop because they're not lapping the water themselves. Mm. So that's something I didn't know. And, so, uh, so does that mean is that the shallow bowl rule again? Does that? That's that... exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it, Bob. You see, you've learned something already. This is the see. I, this is what I've learned. I've learned shallow <laughs> bowls now. I'm going out. Yeah. And I've looked up. I've looked up while we're talking, and one hectare is um, almost two point five acres. And we were talking five million. Yeah, hectares. five million hectares. That's uh, a big, a big area. Big, big, yeah. big area. So, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anything else you want to uh, mention, John, or anything else people? No, can I think do, I, I think. Look, well, no, I'd like to thank you for um, for your interest and and concern about what's happening, Bob. We need more and more people to look at at, at what's happening here because if it started to happen here, it's going to happen elsewhere. And I think that's why the world is suddenly focused on Australia. I think everybody's sort of worried about, you know, are they going to be next? So, um, you know, a big Thank you to everyone who's uh, shown concern for animals, I'll say again. And, um, yeah, it's been great talking to you. And, and my contribution is shallow bowls. I feel like I really... <laughs> <laughs> You've cornered like the I... market in shallow bowls. Well done. Yeah, I'll start out there and look for your Go Vegan Radio shallow bowl, only nine ninety five on Amazon. Well, not Amazon. I'll, right. try and send you, I'll try and send you a photograph of one in the wild drinking from a shallow bowl so you can put it on your website. I, I think that was important information. Somebody yeah. somewhere on another continent is going to... You know, we, we just saved some animals from, you know, uh, drowning themselves. So I think that's Absolutely. Great. Yeah. So, well, thank you, John. I can't thank you enough. And, and the people with wires, I mean, they're like, you know, the greatest people in the world who have a heart for animals. And, you know, 
risk their lives and uh, you know care so much. I mean, that's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time. So. Well, we thank you for your interest, Bob. Appreciate it. Thank you, John. Talk again. Okay. Bye bye. if I uh, spoke the science exactly correctly in talking about sequestration uh, when I look at the Oxford University study from Joseph Poor, which tells us that um, basically the, the land that would be freed by us going vegan, you know, the land that would either be the size of Africa, or if you want to think of it a, a different way, land the size of the United States, EU, China, and Australia combined, that the that land, when freed, when reforested, um, and also uh, it would exhibit species recovery uh, there on land that size, but what that land would do would be to take out 8.1 billion metric tons of carbon from the atmosphere every year for a hundred years. So that's a pretty big statistic. I think I'll, I'll try to understand better and, uh, and get out there more often, you know, you know, when you're talking billions, you know, billions. So, um, coming up in just a few, it'll be Vanessa Marceau celebrating the grand opening of Elora Vegan Organic Wellness Center in Altadena, California. I want to thank uh, Vegetarian House for its support of this show year after year after year. Vegetarian House is a 100% vegan restaurant in San Jose, one of the best in the world. 100% vegan, organic, non-GMO, just some of the, the best food you would find anywhere, and especially it's Jolly Burger. I think that's one of the best vegan burgers. Why would you go to one of the slashed food chain so-called restaurants to get a burger there, you know, when it's you know, a vegan burger made non-vegan from all of the animal uh, byproducts on it? When you can enjoy, like, just, it's just the perfect burger at Vegetarian House, 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose, and Vegetarian House caters. So if you're in the South Bay and you have an event coming up, a wedding, a business function, where the food has to be great, you know, you have to impress everyone there, you want them to have a great time, usually, you know, Great food helps really make that happen, and that's what you get from Vegetarian House, and the website is vegetarianhouse.us, vegetarianhouse.us. I want to bring your attention to a wonderful new book. Uh, the author is Neil Grace, 
I had a great discussion with him a few episodes ago um, on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Uh, so check that out at GoVeganRadio.com. His book is Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. Um, I don't know if you would really call it a self-help book. Maybe it is, but maybe it helps you think and stimulates your uh, your thoughts uh, regarding, really, I have to say that this book somehow seems to address just about every contemporary issue, from spirituality to gun control and bullying and abortion and celebrity. And I don't think he's, uh, Neil Grace has, has missed a single issue. And a lot of what he says will resonate with you and, you know, make you feel better, make you think better, make you think more. Um, so uh, definitely check it out. I really enjoy it. Um, uh, so uh, you can go to his website to get the book. It's neilgrace.com, N-E-A-L-G-R-A-C-E.com. I think I have a banner ad for Neil on goveganradio.com, so you can click on that and eventually buy the book. And I also want to thank Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food for its constant support of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And again, Evolution has been around for 30 years now, family business. They do it because they care about animals, basically, and there's never been one recall in in those 30 years. And, uh, you know, you really don't want to know what goes into commercial so-called pet food. I mean, uh, six six sick animals uh, sick animals would would sound like the healthiest ingredient of you know i mean euthanized dogs and cats really and the euthanizing agent and uh so you know think think evolution think petfoodshop.com uh dog and cat food for all stages of life uh no chemical preservatives or mold inhibitors which have been found to be carcinogenic and uh, Evolution has new organic vegan dog and cat food. So check it out. Uh, the website, the website, uh, petfoodshop.com, vegan dog and cat treats also. Um, and the phone number is 651-492-2190. 651-492-2190. First time customers get a discount, and uh, there's a discount when you order, what is it, the first Tuesday of every month? So uh, check it out. Daisy loves evolution, and uh, I'll bet your dogs and cats will too. So, all right, it's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at goveganradio.com. People tell me I don't ask for money enough considering our mission, which is to save the world. Um, so please, please help us with our uh, our efforts in media and special events. If you want to help create that, that magical concert that gets the attention of the world so we can tell everybody that going vegan is the only solution for climate change and just about every other environmental 
challenge that we face, please go to GoVeganRadio.com and make your donation there. Uh, We would greatly appreciate that. Okay, Vanessa Marceau coming up next on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. people contacting me to give me millions of dollars in donations and i i forget to check uh all all that money left on the table all that money left on the table who knows you know i i I forget that i that there's even a go vegan radio youtube channel I, i never mention that and there's really a lot of good stuff on there um but I'm uh, I'm spread out all over the place, and uh, I like to get new things started, and, and then can't follow up on them because there's so much so much going on. Well, you have something new started. Oh, I should say my next guest on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, where you can make a tax deductible donation to support the show at goveganradio.com. Support the show, our uh, efforts in the media and uh, special events. Oh, the special events. Yeah, we we need money for our special events, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) For the ones we've had and the ones we will have. Exactly. Yeah. And Vanessa Marceau uh, has been supportive. She's been with us at all of these wonderful special events that we've had, the uh, L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, San Diego Reggae Vegan Fest. And just Mm -hmm. if I would have checked for that money, you know, that's waiting on the table (laughs) probably a message on the youtube channel uh some somebody probably gave me their inheritance um right. keep the mission exactly so. they wanted you to do it in the you know in, in bali and they were going to pay for everything for you to do a vegan reggae fest there and you've missed the opportunity now ah, okay. not- well there are people all over the world who really contact me and want a reggae vegan fest there and i keep saying well oh. Come up, come up with the financing because I, what one thing I've learned now um, as a uh, concert uh, producer is that uh, everything's about money and everybody wants money and they all want money from me. So uh, <laughs> me, the the poor activist, you know. I mean, I started this show what back in two thousand one and have lived. Uh, the uh, the activist lifestyle in, in trying to pay for the show because I mean when we first started on air on KRLA in Los Angeles and subsequently everywhere else like the Air America radio network everybody wanted money from me again then too so I I should have learned back then that's the key to everything right? is come, come is. up with money you know so I, mm-hmm. uh, so um, you're eating chickpeas now I hear I hear you're eating chickpeas on my show. Oh. Which is, which is, I'm eating chickpeas on your show, but I've taken a break so that I'm not chewing while talking. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I just finished uh, a big bowl of oatmeal, organic oatmeal, with maple Yum. syrup and cinnamon on this very cold 
Um, mm. Winter night. This is the Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and I look at my uh, uh, self-surveillance device, uh, known as a smartphone, um, and it tells me it's 45 degrees and it feels like 39. I would have said it felt like 36, but my smartphone knows better than I mm. do. And I turn the heater it, off. It I turn the heater off because it makes too much background noise. So Daisy is saying, like, why'd you turn the heater off and why didn't I get oatmeal yet? Well, it's coming soon, Daisy. The oatmeal's, the oatmeal's cooling off and so's the room here now. But uh, no problema. So, um, so we're with Vanessa Marceau. And um, this weekend was the long-awaited grand opening uh, and it seems long yes. awaited too. I mean, at the, you were on this show many moons ago talking about the imminent mm -hmm. grand opening, and here mm -hmm. we are, and you've you've had it um, this weekend. Uh, Alora, mm -hmm. E L L O R A, Alora Vegan Organic Wellness Center at twenty one forty one Lake Avenue in Altadena. That's right. That is exactly right. It's been. Many years that we've been trying to get this place open, trying to find a space and then get it open. And we finally did. And it was a huge success, better than we had ever dreamed of. It, I was just overcome with all the love and support from the community and people who've heard me talk about this for years and years. And to have it all in one place where we had massages going, we had different dance classes, like Zook pole dancing and belly dance. We even had yoga and break dancing classes. And we had food and shopping, everything fair trade, organic, vegan, of course, and sustainably sourced. So it's a one-stop shop of cruelty-free conscious living. And people absolutely loved it. They were there for many, many hours. We were supposed to end at eight. I don't think we got out of there until many, many hours later. It was a great time. And people also were very happy with their evolution dog and cat food that they got. Everyone was just thrilled with that. So great. everything was a great success. Yeah. So thank you for the donation of the evolution. And well, I'll, I'll thank Eric Weissman of Evolution for that. So the uh, vegan dog and cat food, which Daisy loves, and uh, vegan dog and cat treats. So people should know that uh, they can get in touch with Evolution, uh, not only for uh, vegan dog and cat food, and now Evolution has uh, an organic line, but vegan dog and cat treats. And so the, the website is petfoodshop.com. And uh, that's a, uh, a family-owned business. They've been around for 30 years, vegan family business, and uh, not one recall of their product over the 30 years. And I, I uh, challenge people to look at the uh, so-called pet food that they are feeding their companion animals and check to see when the last recall of theirs might have been because it's, it's pretty regular. And then, you know, if you look at what goes into commercial uh, well, I don't want to gross everybody out right now, but everything from rendered it, dogs and cats. Well, I am grossing out. I do. I, apparently, I do want to gross everybody out. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm talking about <laughs> rendered dogs and cats and diseased animals and the euthanizing agent, uh, you know, that uh, euthanizes dogs and cats finds its way in. So uh, we have none of that with evolution. 
I think Eric will be happy for his commercial that we're having right now. Uh. <laughs> and, you know, I think what you're also saying that to me is really, really important and as part of the spirit of, of the Laura wellness is that people don't think about a lot of the products they use. They're not thinking about where it came from, who produced it, how it was produced, what the impact is on the environment, who it's hurting. And that's why Allura Wellness is so important because we step in and do all the research for people so they don't have to think about it. And our goal is really to change methods of consumption based on methods of production. So like with Evolution Dog Food, if I give you a great food that you're companion animal is going to love if i give you products and services that look as good feel as good taste as good and are as affordable as the cruelty filled versions that hurt the planet hurt your health hurt animals why wouldn't you want to consume the ones that are healthier and less cruel and not cruel so it's that whole concept that we do the research that we do the work for you you don't have to think about it you can be safe knowing that you're picking a food product service, whatever it is that is safe and you can feel good about. So I think that really ties into the brands like evolution that are showing that you don't have to do these horrifying things to other beings to take good care of your companion. Wonderful. Yeah. So well, tell us about then the, the, the products that you have, that you have researched. So what, what do you have oh. there now? And, uh, well, you know, what, what would people find coming over to Elora Vegan Organic Wellness Center in Altadena? Yes, absolutely. So we have a lot of clothing that's organic cotton or hemp because regular cotton is one of the highest water and pesticide use crops there is. So those pesticides are not only harming the people handling them, but the air, water, and soil, which is affecting animals greatly. They are so toxic, these pesticides. Plus, your body, the skin, is the largest organ in the body, and it absorbs 60% of what you put on it, and it doesn't have a liver to detox out what you're putting on your skin the way it does, you know, the way that it happens when you eat food. So you put something on your skin, the largest organ is going into your bloodstream without that liver helping out. And this is causing all kinds of cancers and increasing your cancer risk and endocrine and hormone disruptors, all kinds of things, because Fashion is one of the dirtiest industries there is. And really? so we want, oh yeah, it is one of the top polluters. And so we want to really address not only the dyes that are used, but the pesticides and the chemicals that are so filthy in our clothing and so harmful. So we have dyes that are vegetable dyes. We have clothes that are organic cotton, which uses much less water and obviously no pesticides. So you're not taking in, you're not harming the environment and animals, and you're also not taking in harmful substances into your bloodstream. And, and we cotton, all, cotton is uh, heavy on the GMOs too, isn't it? The uh, non-organic oh, cotton. Absolutely. And we remember all the Indian farmers who committed suicide over the whole GMO you know, issue with Monsanto and the grains or the seeds of cotton going flying uh, that that now belongs to monsanto and these farmers who were committing suicide because they couldn't pay back the their loans so gmo when it's organic cotton obviously it's not gmo 
So we can be safe there and know that it's a much more responsible and ethical way to clothe yourself and still look great with these beautiful designs that we have for sportswear, everyday wear, dress, dressy wear for men and women. So we have organic cotton and hemp. Hemp finally is getting the full recognition that it deserves in the legalization in this country, which is ridiculous that it didn't before because you can't get high from hemp. It's not psychoactive. You can't smoke it and get anywhere with that. So it's ridiculous that they had it banned for so long, but it's a very strong, very durable, very naturally disease resistant crop that's so strong. They used to use it or they still use it for making ropes and it makes great clothing that's very strong and durable, but also really soft. So we love having hemp as well. We have jewelry made with safe materials, sustainably mined. We have decorative arts for the home. One thing that we're really excited that we're going to be having very shortly is because we go for zero waste, no plastic packaging, especially because plastic is a petrochemical that is not only horrible for the environment again and for your skin, but it also often contains animal-based stearic acid in it, like plastic bags that make them slick. So... We're avoiding all packaging whenever possible. And so we're going to have these large glass bins that you can come with your mason jar and get a scoop of bath and bath products, cosmetics, shampoo, toothpaste, grains like your oatmeal. We'll have oatmeal, different beans, rice, quinoa, all that bulk bins, but not in plastic in big glass bins that you use your glass jar or metal jar no plastic, to be able to take as much as you need home with you to uh, to have, to feed and bathe and all those good self-care treatments uh, for yourself. So we're really excited about the bulk products that you'll be able to get. And we also have different kinds of home remedies for treating different disorders, different oils, essential oils, things like that. So whatever you can dream of, we're going to be stocking at some point. And our long-term plan is to be able to have factories that will produce the products that we want to replace cell phone parts or other computer parts, TV parts that are very toxic now. We want to use the technology that there's so many creative people out there. Let's harness that so that we can start making these products in a much more sustainable way. We don't have to harm the planet to live well and joyfully, and we can do that without harming anybody. So that's our goal to eventually be able to do that, uh, to replace everything non-sustainable that exists right now. Well, and, and a great start is that everything is vegan because you can't you can't harm the environment more um, you know, then when you use uh, products that aren't vegan, meat, dairy, fish, eggs, and honey are uh, really uh, an environmental disaster, the cause of climate change and yep. so many other problems, yep. deforestation, resource depletion, just you, you name it. Uh, you know, so when, you come, when it comes to sustainability, really, uh, vegan is the first word in, in sustainability. So, um, yeah, definitely. So, so what motivated you, though, to uh, to uh, adopt not only living this way, but helping others live this way? Well, I was running mental health treatment centers, and so I was focused on health and well-being. 
uh, already in every aspect. And I used to be a personal trainer before that. So it was all very much mind, body, spirit. And because I wanted to be congruent in everything I did, I wanted everything that I touched, everything that I did to be organic and healthy, not hurting anybody, not hurting myself, animals, etc. And so I found that because that was important to me, I had to go all over the place to find what I needed and do all this research. So it was not as if I could just back in the day when I thought of doing this about basically 10 years ago was when I first came up with the idea. I couldn't find everything I needed in one place. I'd have to go all over the place. And I don't like to get a ton of things from the internet because there's so much e-packaging waste. <coughs> so in any case, if I wanted a massage, what products are they using or, or facial? Or if I want to buy clothes or products or anything I can name, I wanted to be sure that it was vegan. And so that always required a lot of research. And then if is it fair trade? Is it sustainable? And having to do so much research and go all over the place to find it, I thought, why not have it all in one place where people don't need to be worried when they walk in? They know that everything here is safe and meets ethical standards so that you don't have to worry or cringe like you go to the grocery store and you have to cringe because you pass by the graveyard and then you pass by all this massive packaging and then all these things that are so you know harmful that it makes it a stressful experience at least for me but coming well, me into too, a lawyer, I, you... I have to say the same thing i mean it's like a horror show when i go to the supermarket i'm i'm cringing all the way through basically and right. like like you i've had to go many places for different things that you know right. nothing i couldn't find everything all in one place not ever never never and that became so frustrating to me having to go everywhere and having people not get it not understand not see why that's important or one place we're having choices that you have to make is it going to be good for the environment or is it vegan are we going to, if it's vegan, is it going to be some pl toxic plastic thing? No one should have to make the choice between is it vegan or is it healthy? Exactly. Or is it good for the environment? Be a choice. It shouldn't be an either or. So I wanted to have options that have both. We don't have to pick. So that was the inspiration for wanting to start this center so that people. I do the research for you so you don't have to worry about it. You can just come in and be safe and not feel overwhelmed. And so many people, and it gets really frustrating because so many people take shortcuts. Oh, it's so complicated. Oh, it's so much work. Oh, what an effort. And so they end up making non-ethical choices. So if I do all the work for you, you don't even have to think about it. You come in, you get these great things that you're going to buy anyway. But this way, it's all sustainable. And for example, you come in for a a yoga class and you decide to have a smoothie or, or buy a Christmas gift or get a pedicure. All these things you know are going to be safe so you can relax, you can feel at peace and ease that you don't have to worry you're hurting anybody. So that was the inspiration behind wanting to create it and then setting about actually doing it took a while, but uh, we just kept persevering because when you think of all the trillions of animals that we kill every year and how much we're harming the planet and how we're getting more and more fires all year long, there's no fire season anymore. It's go time from January to December. And so we're really having to do something quickly 
And we don't have a lot of time to start reversing the massive devastation we're doing to this planet. The time is now. And so we have kept that mission in our mind so strongly. And that's fueled us to be able to keep going through all the obstacles to opening until we could finally open and have this great party, which was also my birthday party. So it was just so joyful and amazing having the community gather together in song and dance and just great food and music and camaraderie and have this amazing opening, which is the first of many. We're going to be doing so many different events. We have in February a community Valentine's Day party, which is going to be just the, the connection between all of us, the celebration of community spirit. March, we're going to have an alien ball. And speaking of ball in April, we're going to have our uh, second annual balls out competition to see who can make the best sweet or savory balls out there. And so we're going to have so many different parties, art gallery openings, concerts, open mic, film screenings like of the Game Changers, and then our regular ongoing dance classes and the shopping, the boutique, the wellness center uh, with the healing arts. So we have so much planned ahead and we're so excited about all the great things that we have coming up and that we have not even yet thought of. <laughs> sounds, sounds like my kind of place. I think I'll move in. It sounds. you and Daisy. Yeah, Daisy and I would like to move in there. It sounds like our kind of place. So, uh, and and very nice of you to conserve by combining birthday and grand opening together. That's also conservation. So, so I can say happy birthday and happy grand opening at the same time. I can put it in one post, you know, so I'm not not using more digits and more keystrokes and more. I don't want you to have carpal tunnel for me. <laughs> right, right, right. So the, the fewer keystrokes, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's great. And also, I don't really like shopping online and I don't like Amazon. I have to I have to say I'm really not not a fan of Amazon. So to me, it's like Amazon schmamazon. So. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I want to put my one of my principles is expanding the veganomy, the vegan economy. So if all of us put, keep our money in the vegan community, I want to use vegan workers. I want to use vegan vendors. I want to keep that. Then we have more power. We have more resources and more power and we can create more policy change as well and more pressure when we're united and stronger in that way and then i also feel good about it i don't want somebody who's just been consuming a, a dead cow to be massaging me that kind of energy to, that's not healing right to I, me. I, I so want, and that person i would want that person to wash uh, his or her hands but then you know are they using a good vegan uh, soap uh, to, <laughs> to wash right to exactly wash Exactly. So then that becomes a whole stressful experience wondering about it. So it's, you know, going to be defeating the purpose if you're anxious about all those things. So I am, you know, and everywhere I go, of course, everybody says, oh, you know, for Daisy, you know, I, I, they don't even see me. I'm the guy with Daisy. So everywhere <laughs> I go, it's like, oh, oh, can I pet her? And it's like, yeah. Did you just eat a hamburger? No, I don't. I don't want you to pet her. You know, it's like uh, if you're vegan. If you're vegan, I, and if you're vegan, you can pet her. In fact, maybe that should be a line of uh, 
collars or harnesses, you know, like if you're vegan, you can pet me because it's uh, I'm always making excuses because I just don't want their their grubby, meat-eating hands, you know, like, 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 you know, like supposedly the um, Carl's Jr. and McDonald's and, you know, all of these uh, slash food uh, places supposedly have vegan burgers, but they're cooking right. them on the same grill, the same area where they're cooking meat. So, yeah. Right. And like Dr. Greger says, there is E. coli contamination any place where there's been these animal products. So even if you're bleaching your counter, it's still contaminated if meat and dairy and all that have been prepared in the same place. So when I don't even want to go to places that have vegan options because there's still that E. coli contamination and that energy from that as well. So who, who needs that around? You know, that's not something that's going to feel good and peaceful to be in that kind of environment and to be. I feel the same way. And, of course, the source for E. coli is what? It's it's poop. It's like, you know, it's like you can't, you know, you can't keep the the poop off the food. You know, it's like poop burgers, you know, it's like. And when we get all these salmonella scares and the, what was it, the romaine lettuce that was on the list recently, that ultimately is from animal agriculture waste as well. So it's not something that, you know, it's not from the romaine lettuce, it's from the animal agriculture that gets into the soil of the romaine lettuce that's growing and that contaminates it and creates all these health problems. Exactly. So, and, um, you know, my, my position after studying the issue for so long and doing this show and looking at studies and assessments, everything from the World Bank to Oxford University, everybody's saying that the, the best thing that you can do, in fact, the only way that we can save the environment is by going vegan. So, and, and it would transform the world. We would go to pre-industrial carbon levels. Uh, we would remove, um, I think, the land that would be freed um, for reforestation and species recovery would be the size of the U.S., China, EU, and Australia combined. And by the way, earlier on the show, we talked to somebody from Wires in Australia, uh, where they're having the worst fires in their history um, related to climate change, of course. So, um, yeah. you know, Love and then, then the people who you know, people are all upset. Oh, those climate change deniers. But if, if people are denying the solution, like, mm-hmm. are they any better? You know, if, if, if they're, you know, if they think that the solution is with politicians or government or treaties or carbon taxes or, you know, whatever, um, that's not the solution. The only solution is to go vegan. So you're, uh, you're, you're, you're doing a, a wonderful service and leading the way with, uh, with what you're doing, Vanessa. I think that's really great. So, um, what uh, are, are is uh, is Alora Vegan Organic Wellness Center open? What, what are the hours when uh, now? Uh, so we're set, kind of setting the schedule now and feeling out what the community wants. I put eleven to seven roughly, but we're going to have evening classes. We're going to have different open mic nights and different kinds of poetry salons and concerts. I want it to be a hub for artists, for anyone who comes with up, up with an idea. Like yesterday during our grand opening, I had somebody come to me and say, I'd love to perform with my band here. I'd love to perform solo. I'd love to teach my acting class here. I'd love to, you know, have a book signing of my new book here. I had all these people wanting to do things 
because it's so a they, great. They all want to move in with me and Daisy too, apparently, right? So <laughs> and we can all do it together, and we grow the blueberries together. And actually, speaking of that side note, we do want to have a veganic farmers market there because we have a large parking lot. So we want to grow everything without blood meat. Uh, Matt, you're really talking my language here, actually. I mean, I've been, uh, you know, and, and that's something I, you know, I, I, I would I would say I would drive extra miles to get veganic, but that, you know, well, the thing is, uh, apparently even, you know, the, the vegan food that comes from the other side of the world is better for the environment than local meat or yeah. dairy products. That's for sure. That is for sure. And when you were talking about if we went vegan, how it would affect the environment, Dr. Silas Rao, whom I connected you with for the uh, climate change concert that we're going to be doing, he talks about how the when we go vegan with increased trees that can sequester more of the carbon so that we can reduce the impact on the environment because it's such a an exponential thing that with the what we're doing, the drought and deforestation, all that, we're raising the levels of methane gas, which is then creating ripe conditions for fires. And the more fires we have, the more drought and air quality issues and all that we're having. And that's increasing the risk of more fires. You know, it's all so, so much of a domino effect. And yet sequestering that carbon can be a very quick process. Going vegan is much faster than trying to control fossil fuel production or have everyone drive EVs. That's going to take a lot longer to change the environment than cutting out the reducing the methane gas emissions. That's very right. We're told very, we're, we're it has told a very. We need a, we're told we need a, a, a green new deal when we what we need is like a green new meal. You have to you know so. <laughs> I like that. Good. Bob is always quick and clever with his words. <laughs> well, I have to fill the space. Uh, you know, or, the, the, the rule in radio is no dead air. You know, that was when I was a program director on air. It's like no silence. So you have to no fill, the, fill the space. So I, I, I try to figure out something to say that uh, occasionally makes sense, you know. So um, but the um, alternative uh, energy infrastructure that everybody wants would take at least 20 years and 30 trillion dollars neither of which we can afford so. 30 trillion that is huge yeah and it's not even the leading cause of climate change i think it's great that jane fonda is in dc agitating for change because politicians only enact legislation when people put enough pressure on them to do so and it's great that she's doing that and bringing attention and bringing awareness but Greta Turnberg, who is her inspiration, is vegan and talks about the impact of not eating animals and how important that is. So the emphasis needs to shift. Yes, let's talk about fossil fuels and saving the environment. But the, the first most obvious step to do that is to go vegan because then you're not destroying the Amazon rainforest to graze animals. You're not destroying. And, and, grow, and grow GMO feed for animals, too. Yes. Yes. All that feed could be so much more efficiently replaced with grains and beans that would take up a lot less space, produce a lot more nutrients, feed a lot more people. No one in this world needs to go hungry. There is, There are enough resources for everyone on this planet. If we planted 
grains and legumes and vegetables on that same land that we're using to graze animals, we can feed everybody and we're not harming the environment either. And we're not cutting down trees and we're not destroying the lungs of the planet. Well, we could we could reduce the amount of farmland on the planet by 75 percent and still Ooh. feed all humans. Um, that's how massive the land use is. Like I mentioned, well, it's it's uh, Joseph Poor was on this show and he did the study out of Oxford University. And he yeah. said that we would free land the size of Africa or the size of the U.S., U.K., uh, the U.S., EU, uh, China, and Australia combined if we were to go vegan. So that's that's your land for reforestation and species recovery. Um, Good, Goodland and Anhang said we'd go to pre-industrial carbon levels. If you look mm-hmm. at Joseph Poor's study, he says that the land then that we free for such uh, purposes would then remove 8.1 billion metric tons of carbon from the atmosphere every year for a hundred years. So, I mean, it's it's so important. And then, but people you know get distracted, and then they think, oh, Paris Accord, or yeah, you know, I mean, they're they're looking for answers outside of themselves when we all have to do our one seven billionth share. We all have to go right. vegan. And we're all participating in it. But, you know, the the Paris Accord required nothing of anybody. That's why you could get 150, 180 countries to sign something. If they don't have to really do anything, there's no penalty for it. Of course we all agree, right? So Then I can look like a good guy to my constituents, too, if I don't have to actually commit to doing anything. But I agree that we should do something. And look how terrible this is. People don't like to change My theory on it as a licensed marriage and family therapist, given my psychology background, is that people are afraid to change because they don't trust their ability to adapt. Their self-esteem gets in the way of thinking that they'll be able to thrive with a new set of circumstances and they doubt themselves. And so people say, oh, it's hard to go vegan. It is not hard to go vegan. I have traveled. When you talk about Africa, we were in Madagascar last year around this time in little remote villages that had no running water and electricity, nothing. We still found food to eat. That was, we would just go to the market and get fruits and veggies and eat that. If we went to a restaurant, we would have pasta, of course, not egg based, just a wheat based pasta with the tomato sauce, some carrots, green beans, whatever. And it is the easiest thing I've been vegan traveling throughout Africa and Asia, Europe, not without any kinds of problems at all. As long as there's produce, you can eat vegan and it's so easy. And if you're living in America, especially you and I living in in respectively Northern and Southern California, it's the easiest thing. There's a substitute that's not cruel, that doesn't hurt anyone, that doesn't rip families apart and murder children that of, of you know, sentient beings uh, for everything. Every kind of animal product there is, every milk, every cream, every butter, every sausage, hamburger, all that, there's a great vegan substitute that's so much healthy. None of that, by the way, there was none of that when I went vegan 36 years ago. It's it's a totally different world um, since uh, I went vegan. There there was one cheese substitute back then, um, and it was horrible. 
and <laughs> I, I kept buying it every six months, hoping it would improve, and it never did. Um, Anybody? Nope. So who's been vegan longer, you or Ed Begley Jr.? Well, I don't know. I've been vegan for 36 years in 1984. So um, I don't know. I'll have to. I haven't been in touch with Ed for quite a while, but uh, it would. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, 36 years for me, and I went vegan before I knew that there was a word vegan. Um, what did you go vegan? Well, prior to that, when I was in college. Um, all my friends would come over to my place at Queens College, City University of New York. So everybody, the party was at uh, my apartment on Friday nights. I, I shouldn't just say my apartment because my roommate Jay kept feeling left out that he never was, you know, wasn't Jay's place too. So so Bobby and Jay's place. OK, so everyone would come over on Friday night. We play music. Uh, we, we would... Uh, we would smoke hemp and not get high because it was hemp. You know what I mean? No. Um, and uh, hey. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I made a chicken uh, dish every Friday night that was uh, had an apricot glaze and everybody loved it. And then one Friday night, I looked down at the frying pan and I said, well, this is somebody's body. Uh, you know, I mean, it didn't look like a food to me. It, was, it wasn't a round, nondescript cutlet. It was... Uh, you know, a leg, a thigh. And I said, wow, you know, I mean, somebody died for me to be eating. And I, that one Friday night, I said, you know, I don't, I don't think I can eat animals anymore. And everybody thought I was crazy. And I, theoretically, I became the first vegetarian, but not really, you know, I mean, I, uh, at that moment, I thought like, well, do I keep eating uh, fish, I don't know, are the oceans here to feed us? I, I I kept drinking milk. I thought, well, cows have to be milked, right? And I kept eating oh. eggs because I mean, who gets, you know, nobody gets hurt, you know, chicken right. lays an egg. And then it took me 13 years of being that way until I ran across an animal organization when I was a program director at a radio station in San Antonio, Texas. And I came across the information related to dairy and eggs and I said, oh, I have been doing this, you know, wrong. I mean, you know, I, I'm doing this for the animals. Now that I know about the cruelty and, and suffering and death, I I can't have any of those either. So then I immediately went vegan as soon as I found out about the dairy and eggs, which have been pretty well hidden, you know. Uh, or yeah. Well, they want us to think there are these happy cows and they need to be milked or they'll be in pain. And, and then eggs, but free range. It's like we care about the animals the how they were raised in free range and they have room and all this we care about them until we want something from them and then at that point we stop caring and kill them so right and, and so the poor cow well to be pregnant uh, or, or to give milk she has to be pregnant so she's raped and then her baby is kidnapped from her and they cry for each other when he's taken away to become veal or fattened up for beef and then uh when she can't give uh, milk anymore she becomes a hamburger so you know Nothing to it there. And then everything with the chicken industry and these scams related to uh, cage free and all where they're they're actually in cages that are just sheds with 40, 50,000 other birds. They're all <laughs> mutilated, uh, harshly confined. They, they peck each other to death. All the males are killed uh, after birth. Uh, and, Shredded you know, just... alive. What's that? Shredded alive. They're sent yeah. shredded right. alive. They're, they're shredded, right. So, you know, they're shredded alive or suffocated. And uh, I believe it was Cesar Chavez who said 
you know, the, if if you're doing this for for cruelty re- issues related to animals, you stop with the dairy and eggs first. You know, and uh, and he was a, he's a famous vegan. People don't know, you know, that Cesar Chavez was vegan and was um, as happy to convert people to veganism as he was to joining a trade union. So, um, and this this being Martin Luther King's uh, birthday uh, this weekend, and we celebrate his birthday. Well, his mm-hmm. wife Coretta Scott King was vegan. Uh, his son yeah. Dexter, uh, vegan. You know, when you yeah. when you're against violence and oppression and killing, right? You, you have to come to that conclusion. Well, like I say, that when the portals of compassion are truly open, you have compassion for all beings, not just some, like ahimsa. It's for all beings, not just the ones that walk on two legs or four legs or people who are being nice to you or or sad victims or whatever. It's compassion for everyone. And I, in fact, even try to have compassion for Donald Trump because he must not have received a lot of love in his childhood the way he behaves. So I think you have to have compassion for every living being out there. And yes, I have compassion for plants, but killing a plant and eating the plant or pulling it out of the ground is nothing compared to the screams of an animal who desperately wants to live. And and plants wouldn't be so nutritious if they weren't meant to be eaten. And animals wouldn't be so deadly uh, if they were meant to be eaten. So. Right, exactly. And, and, and compassion for everyone. You know, why does everybody get heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes? You know, I mean, it's all from consuming animal products. And I heard Dr. Gregor speak last weekend in San Diego, which was amazing. And he was saying that the um, saturated fat that you consume from animal products actually cause brain damage. And they cause problems with the leptin uh, receptors in your brain, which is what makes you feel full. And that becomes altered from eating these animal products. So the saturated fats actually change your brain chemistry. Well, we are herbivores. Humans are herbivores. Hate to break it to everyone, but we are herbivores. And, uh, you know, uh, we, I, I don't think most people would be able to kill the animal whom they are about to eat. They wouldn't be able to kill the animal themselves. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, propaganda with the commercials uh, using uh, sex and humor uh, to sell us what would naturally be repulsive, really. Right, right. You don't start salivating when you see an animal on, along the side of the road. You salivate if you see an apple or a strawberry, not not the other way around. And like babies don't want to, if they have a bunny rabbit near them, they want to pet the bunny, not try to eat her. Exactly. So, you know, it's, uh, we're just asking people to be their natural vegan selves. Inside inside everybody is a, a vegan waiting to emerge, you know. And I, I run into people all the time. I'm always wearing vegan caps or sweatshirts or T-shirts. And uh, I'm always running into people saying, yeah, I, I you know, eventually I'm, I'm sure, you know, I, I, I want to go vegan. Eventually I'll do it. And I say, well, why not today? I mean, if it's eventually... Do it today, then. Like, why, why wait? You know, why, why? Between now and eventually, you'll eat a hamburger that gives you mad cow disease or something. You know, like if eventually is the case, do it now. Do it now. No, you're not missing out on anything. In fact, you know, people say, "Oh, there's not going to be much variety of vegan." There are thousands, tens of thousands of herbs and spices and fruits and vegetables and grains and legumes and all that. 
Whereas people eat about seven different animals over and over that it, it's, it's very limited. In fact, when you're a carnist, you're eating very few varieties of so-called meals. Whereas vegans, your taste buds are going to explode from going vegan. There's so many more options out there. Right. I know, and none of the animals would taste good if not for the uh, vegan flavorings, you know, <laughs> that, that go on them. So uh, you can listen to the song by Maccabee called Wa Me Eat, W-H-A Me Eat. And he uh, is very poetic with listing so many of the foods that we eat. We're really not lacking for anything we have all the great food and you know everybody else is having some variation of cow pig or chicken and you know parents go along everybody eats bacon and hot dogs and all of that and yet the world health organization has classified those as carcinogens that uh, processed carcinogen. meats, yeah processed meats the world health organization says processed meats cause uh cancer you know period so. period Exactly. There's no doubt about it. And and if you had to kill an animal who, let's say you see a cow with her baby and you see the bond they have and the love that's between them and you can really connect with that and you really can see that and see the caring, would you really want to cause harm and pain if you don't have to? Exactly. Right. And, you know, the, the there's that mother instinct, mother and child uh uh, that goes among all species, and uh, they have eyes, and they can see what we're doing to them, and yep. it's it's not right. It's not right. It's, we're not supposed to be uh, killing and harming. Right. If murder is wrong, why is it? Why do we decide only this being that being? We used to say it was okay to kill other kinds of people who were different from us. How is that any different from what we're doing with the animals? Mm -hmm. And. Uh, yeah, and Tolstoy said, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. So, uh, yeah, exactly. So. There's some self-esteem that makes us need to have dominion over others to give ourselves meaning and a feeling of superiority and that we matter and there's a purpose for us on this planet. That's what causes all the violence that need to dominate, to kill corporations, hierarchies, consumerism. It's all violence to the essential nature and our worth that has nothing to do with conquering and being better than or having mastery over anyone. Our whole system is founded on principles of violence. And so when we develop a sense of self-worth from our compassion and from con being connected to other life forms through energy, we don't want to harm others. We don't want mastery or conquering or any kind of dominion over others. We care for and want to love and have compassion for others as we do for ourselves. So why on earth would we want to hurt anyone? Why cause pain and suffering to any living being? Why live that way? We certainly don't have to. Right. And, and you know, if a, if a truck overturned with uh, full of live chickens, people would be running to to save the chickens so they don't get hit by cars or, you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, there are so many people trying to help the animals in Australia now with the, with the fires. And then they go home and throw another animal on the Barbie, you know, or, exactly. or, or go home and have chicken after they would save a, a bird, you know, then right. they go home and or go to KFC. So. Right. Exactly. The, 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 un, the lack of mindfulness is pretty rampant. And uh, built into the system that way. Exactly. Well, you can't sell products unless people feel bad about themselves so that they want to buy your stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
but not at a Laura Vegan Organic no. Wellness Center. No, because these are things that you need. You need to have food. You need to have beautiful products that make you your skin healthy and strong and that make you feel clean and refreshed and give you some self-care and self-love that's not about consumerism but that's about really taking care of yourself exactly so well thank you it's a community service that you're doing by opening your your place there and i look forward to seeing it uh when i'm down in la i think i'll be down there for the natural products expo uh, in early march and uh like you said I, i i'm i'm compelled to work on you know it's in the uh beginning stage well i don't know how uh, i can't say it's beginning stages i don't really know how how far i am in the process but i i see how important it is for us to create a climate crisis live aid concert to bring yes. awareness to the world of the importance of going vegan um as the as the environmental solution for right. everything so um, perfect it's perfect i'm making a fundraiser dinner at Alora wellness for it Okay, um, and uh, if we have that list of uh, billionaires and millionaires who could attend <laughs> that, because uh, it looks like to do something on the scale we're talking is would take uh, looks like maybe two or three million dollars to uh, you know we're, we're, crowdfunding. <laughs> crowdfunding, yeah, maybe that's yeah, maybe that's what's uh, we we have to figure out a way to do it. I mean, I've talk, been talking to places like the Oakland Coliseum, the L.A. Coliseum, the Rose Bowl, you know, and we we need to uh, get some of the uh, big name artists out there to to bring attention to uh, to to the cause, you know, like uh, our uh, climate crisis live aid in the tradition of. Live Aid, which was 35 years ago, that concert, which was in response to a famine in Ethiopia, um, and uh, you know there there are uh, famine victims now from from climate change, and uh, you know, and then uh, then it's the 50th anniversary of Woodstock, where we we were a generation in search of peace, and this is the way to uh, to get to peace uh, by by going vegan. So, and, and on your plate. And yes, and uh, now Daisy is telling me uh, to keep peace in our household. I have to take her for a walk, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better say hi to Daisy and give her a scratch for me. And I can't wait to see you both in March at the uh, at the expo. The Natural Products Expo is always great, especially because there's more and more and more vegan vendors every year, which makes me very happy. It's one of my favorite uh, weekends of the year, actually, to to try all the great new vegan products that are out there. And uh, then I, I it's it's that's the that's the foodie part of this. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, for all these years I've been talking about the animal issues and it's so emotional uh, on that weekend. It's like it's about food. <laughs> mm-hmm. So much food, so many samples, so many great new vendors for Allure Wellness to check out, especially ones that can have no packaging and products and sold in bulk and all that. So we are with you on that. We're very excited for it and can't wait to go there and to see you there and to network with all kinds of new vegan creative businesses. So, um, and you have a website, I take it then, for Allura? Yes, allurawellness.com. 
is our website. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter with Alora Wellness, named after the caves in India where the Hindus, Buddhists, and Jain monks lived peacefully together and would welcome any travelers at any time. Everyone was family, was welcome in, which is our spirit with Alora. Even though they were killing each other outside the caves, in the caves, uh, people got along and were peaceful and happy with all kinds of different people, of different creeds and nationalities and all that. So that is our motto. And we are happy to welcome in anyone to our center. We're a loving, peaceful community. Laurawellness.com. And that's E-L-L-O-R-A. So, Correct. And you're 2141 Lake Avenue in Altadena. So thank you for being with us today, Vanessa. I look forward to seeing you soon. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate it and have a great walk. Okay, thanks. Talk to you soon. about do it for this episode of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. If I have multitasked properly, the vegetable soup should be ready just about now. That is one of my one of my favorite dishes in the world, just good old vegetable soup. So um, I'm on my way to having that on a chilly winter night, January. 2020, hard to believe. It was January 2001, right around this time, 19 years ago that I've been doing this program. Uh, pretty, pretty amazing that it started off. I had to go to the radio stations. I had to physically be there, and people would donate clunker cars that would, you know, just about get me to three, bu- three blocks away from the station before, uh, for the car exploded. Then we went on to other technologies and CDs and mini discs. And now it's just uh, hanging out here with Daisy in my room, a legend in my room. Uh, (laughs) uh, So my, how things have changed from terrestrial radio to today. Anyway, um, have I asked you to donate any money uh, to, to our show? Have I asked you to help make uh, Climate Crisis Live Aid happen so we can draw attention around the world that we all have to go vegan now? Now that it's the only solution? Well, anyway, um, you can make that donation at GoVeganRadio.com. Thank you so much for listening.